Seinfeld, The Stranded is over and has been for quite some time, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap on postshowrecaps.com. And now, here are the two guys who are headed off to Long Island to party. Rob Sestrino and Akiva Wienicker. Akiva, how are you? Good. I'm a little... I'm a little, uh, you know, upset. I- I'm coming to terms with uh, the fact that I think Adnan is guilty. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, the serial case. It's like uh, not since the final episode of Seinfeld has America been so captured with a court case. That's true. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe, uh, you know, the character witnesses did not help Adnan, you know, when uh, the soup Nazi walked in. <laughs> no, no. Well, are you a big serial guy? Yeah, I mean, I like it. I'm not. Jerry like, loves cereal, oh, also. Oh, Jerry does love cereal. I love. I do love um, cereal with a C more than anything else in the world. <laughs> That's yeah. probably where my love of Seinfeld comes from. Like, What's your favorite the, cereal? It's like I, just asking my favorite child. Much easier question. <laughs> you had to pick one uh, that you had to eat for the rest of your life. What would it be? I want to say honeycombs, but I'm honeycombs. I'm, I'm going to give an answer, and you're actually going to stop the podcast. And you're gonna you're gonna be mad. What is it? People, Crispix. Crispix. That's a little it's boring. A, yeah, I know. People people don't like that answer. <laughs> I somewhere in my email I have like a top thirty five ranking. All right. Well, after we get through your Seinfeld rankings, we'll do a serial serial <laughs> podcast. We do a serial podcast, and, and we'll just like kill it on SEO where people are searching for the other serial podcast, and we'll just <laughs> be racking up all the ratings. Let's do it. Let's do it. Top 35. It'll be three (laughs) minutes long. I'll just read the list. (laughs) All right. So we're here to talk about Seinfeld, not serial, not serial. We're going to talk about Seinfeld, the stranded and Akiva. Let's, I mean, let's not bury the lead. We're talking about what is one of the worst Seinfeld episodes of all time. Yeah. I mean, so this episode was filmed to, to air in season two, the later part of season two. And, uh, Larry was unhappy with how it turned out. And after filming it, they uh, they sat on it for a full year uh, and then finally uh, burned it off during season three. Yeah. So this is an episode that even Larry David didn't want to be on the air. And, and he wrote it with Jerry, um, you know, and uh, I, I there is not a lot of information on what exactly they felt wrong with it. I mean, it's on the page like it's not it's clearly not a great episode. Um, but, uh, you know, there's not a lot of sort of, uh, you know, there aren't really quotes of, of Larry criticizing it. Um, I, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting that they felt it wasn't good enough to air in season two and then maybe they were more confident with, you know, the show staying on the air for season three Mm -hmm. and they, they aired it. I mean, uh, you know, would it have been so, it would have just been a lost episode like the bet, I guess it wouldn't have been, uh, the end of the world clearly to not air this. Although. You know, we would never would have uh, known about the dingo eating people's babies. <laughs> yeah. And we're not going to be super negative or anything like that. It's still one of the worst episodes of Seinfeld. It's not like we're talking about like one of the worst episodes of Mad About You or something like that. So there's still some good things here. Uh, we'll try to focus on the positive and, and what we like. But uh, spoiler, Akiva, right? This is in your bottom 10. 
Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's fair to say if you're paying close attention to the rankings, you could probably figure out where it's going to be. Okay. All right. So before we get to talking about the stranded, of course, uh, an episode where George gets Elaine and Jerry to come with him out to a party on Long Island, and then ultimately it's a really boring party, and they will just want to leave anyway. From this episode, uh, Akiva. Before we get into it, do you have any news items? Yeah, we've got a couple things this week. Um, for starters, uh, Jerry Seinfeld himself is in a new movie coming out this week. Yeah. Uh, Chris Rock's top five. Wow. Okay. Uh, Chris Rock has done a ridiculous amount of press for this movie. He really has. He really has. But, I, I'm the, the last person I can remember doing this much press was, do you remember Weird, Weird Al like a few months ago was everywhere? <laughs> yeah, he's really making the rounds. I don't really know if that does help anything. I mean, it's because he's promoting himself a lot more than this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know anything about this movie. I read a full New Yorker article. We could probably get Chris Rock on this podcast, I think. Do you think so? (laughs) I think this week. (laughs) I think we need to strike in the next couple of days. Like, all right, everybody. Uh, uh, This week, we're talking about The Stranded with uh, special guest uh, Chris Rock, star of the new film, (laughs) Top Five. Top Five. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I don't. I mean, uh, has Chris Rock ever done a podcast before? I'm sure he's done a podcast before. He's probably done Mark Marin. Uh, that's possible. I don't know. I actually heard Jerry on a podcast. I don't think I talked about this uh, last week. I listened to him on the Alec Baldwin "Here's the Thing" podcast. Oh yeah, how was it? That's interesting. You know, Jerry talked a lot about you know his like daily routine and stuff like that, and talked a, just a little bit more uh, about his life. And you know, I've listened to probably you know tons of you know Jerry interviews and stuff like that over the years, and I felt like there was even some stuff in there that I didn't know, uh, you know, about him and about his uh, like how he became the person that he ultimately was and how uh, you know he got discovered. Uh, it was one of the really interesting things that uh, he was talking about was like Alec Baldwin asked him like you know when when, when did you know somebody say to you that you you really had a lot of talent and Jerry was talking about how like three weeks into doing stand-up comedy uh Jackie Mason took him do you know who that is not only do I know who it is my grandfather sold his house to Jackie Mason oh. when, he moved, when he moved out of Queens okay good yeah he said that, like within like three weeks of doing stand-up comedy like Jackie Mason like took him aside and said you're gonna be the biggest star and it's just really like one of those things where it's almost like uh in I know you're not a big uh Star Wars movie guy but it's like uh you know finding Anakin Skywalker and finding seeing that his midi chlorians are off the chart that was like Jackie Mason finding the 19 year old uh, Jerry Seinfeld three weeks into his career yeah, that was a great analogy that I didn't understand. <laughs> Somebody did. Somebody did. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure many of our viewers or listeners. Yeah. Um, so the the um, I, what's it called with with Jerry? The best interview I ever heard with him, I think, was his last interview with Howard Stern. Oh yeah, very good, very good. He got also. really in depth, and Howard really like sort of like plumb like what makes Jerry tick. And spoiler alert: his whole life is just about finding new material for his jokes. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get into talking about the stranded. 
And of course, The Stranded uh, has a lot of material in the pharmacy. And so Jerry does a lot of uh, stand up here about the medicine and about the pharmacy and stuff like that. Um, Jerry does. I, I enjoy this, even though, again, it feels like this is the jokes feel like they're really old. One, because they are. But two, because I feel like they're just like the jokes were so good. They just became sort of like well known in pop culture. Yeah, I mean, right. It, it's very hard to gauge these jokes from, you know, 23 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Jerry's talking about deciding between do I want quick acting or long lasting and then talks about like when you see on commercials that like they ha always have like the diagram of the person that's just sort of no face with their mouth open. He says that's how drug companies see the customers uh, and talks about how there's always like lightning shooting people in different parts of their bodies or fire. And he said the doctor never asks you, are you having any lightning attacks? Didn't we have a stand-up to start the show last week that also was about the drugstore? Yeah, I wonder. Now, that was probably one of the problems of the, you know airing these episodes back-to-back. -back. Like They shot these probably a year apart, but they ultimately end up with a lot of pharmacy material back-to-back. -back. Uh, yeah, right, because this is the ninth episode of uh, season two airing after the ninth episode of season three. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and clearly, I, you know, so when they when they aired the show um, and I, I haven't found the warning anywhere, but they they um, posted a little thing with Jerry saying, like, this was filmed last year. And that's why George still works at the real estate agency. Um, and, you know, a certain time, you know, related things are out of They whack. did like a special <laughs> announcement. Yeah. Jerry um, came on the screen in some capacity. <laughs> wow. Uh, again, this is from November 27th, 1991. Uh, this episode uh, came out and we didn't give this at the top of the show, but uh, written by uh, Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld and Matt Goldman. Thanks a lot, Matt Goldman. <laughs> yeah. When the episode didn't work and it's written by Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld and Matt Goldman, Matt Goldman's taking uh, all the flack from people. Yeah. No wonder why he didn't answer my tweets. <laughs> All right. So uh, then we get into the episode and we start off with Jerry and George at the drugstore. And what is this? George has fleas. Yeah. From his neighbor's imbecile, his cousin's imbecile dog. <laughs> what? I feel like this is storyline gets dropped rather quickly. I mean, I feel like this is a big bombshell. George has fleas and it's never, you know, he has a woman sleeping in his apartment who then goes to his office. Like you would think that this flea storyline, I feel like we really buried the lead of George having fleas. Yeah. I feel like maybe they, they filmed the whole thing and then they're like, wait, we need a reason for them to constantly be in these drugstores. Yeah. So a lot of time on the drugstore set in this episode. Anyway, so we find out that there's a party going on on Long Island and this woman, Ava, from George's office is going to be there. She's the nice one in his office. Uh, yeah, I mean, but we don't we didn't see Ava when, uh, you know, when we were just in the office, which would have been last week or two weeks ago, had this episode aired in real time when, you know, when George is slipping the Mickey. We don't see anybody actually that is in that office right at this party is there any no. crossover of any of the characters like the woman with the red hair that george was gonna pull her wig off no i, I feel like they went uh, they went in a totally different direction here <laughs> it's a big office it's a very big office it's a big party also yeah all right so jerry and george are going through the ingredients on the pill bottle or of uh what they need 
Uh, ultimately, the deciding factor is where is yours made? Uh, and the one, the one that is it, uh, George has is from Jersey and the one Jerry has is from White Plains and they go with that one. Um, is, would that hold true today? Or is your medicine you're getting at CVS or Rite Aid like manufactured locally? I mean, I don't know, but what, why is White Plains better than know. Jersey? Is like, is like Mike, is the situation, like Mike, the situation making your medicine? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Uh, probably uh, might make you feel good for a while, though, if uh, Mike, the situation is making your medicine. He might, he might have to, you know, work in a grocery store soon, from what I see. Oh, Akiva, don't hate on the situation. No, I just came. I just like it was just an article uh, that he, um, you know, he's like out of money or something. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> that's unfortunate. Uh, Snooki has a podcast on Podcast One. It does very well. Yeah, I think she's she's going to discuss the soup Nazi with us. <laughs> we're going to get Snooki in to talk about the soup Nazi. Well, we're not going to we're not we weren't going to get her for the stranded. We got to, you know, <laughs> save her for. Yeah. So, uh, so Snooki. <laughs> what, so what a, did you think about the, the soup Nazi? Like, oh, he was hot. <laughs> it was an article about um, Snooki, like when Jersey Shore was popular a few years ago. And the whole thing was just like talking to her dad. And it was basically 20 different ways of him saying, like, she's really unintelligent and like she could bear like she's a nice girl, but like she doesn't, you know, if you asked her if she made $100,000 last year or $100 million, she would not be able to tell you. Okay. Well, I, again, that sounds about right. <laughs> that was coming from her dad. Like. <laughs> Maybe he must be handling her books. I, I, I guess, uh, you know, but I mean, all right, she's not a details person, yeah. but hopefully... And I don't know, you know, if she if this gets back to her, she might not come on for the soup now. Okay, well, we'll see. <laughs> we might have to get her for uh, one one of the other uh, memorable episodes. Maybe there's a Jersey. Uh, oh, maybe uh, when they go to the Hamptons, that's sort of yeah, like the Hamptons, Jersey Shore. I think that's up her. That's up her alley. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe we'll save Stone Cold Steve Austin for the soup now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So speaking of handling money, Akiva, so they go to the register and George pays and he gave the woman allegedly a 20 and she gave him back change for a 10. Now, who do you believe in this situation? Speaking of situations. Yeah, George is very cheap, but I actually believe him here. You believe him. So but do you think that the woman made a mistake or you think she's pulling a scam? I think she made a mistake and she's just sticking up for herself after the mistake. When I worked in a store, I used my first job I ever had was I worked in a card store on Long Island, like a, you know, like a greeting card store. And I used to go there. And I was like in like 11th grade. I don't know. I was like 15, 16 years old. And I used to work there by myself, like on Saturday mornings. And there was a guy who came in one morning and he didn't, I was the cashier and he did the, Hey, I gave you a 20, you gave me change of a 10. And I felt really confident that I didn't. And I felt like the guy was trying to intimidate me into giving him the change of a 20. I said, no. Yeah, I feel like this is a scam. I was once in Mineola by the Long Island Railroad and a, and a cab driver, like I was on the sidewalk and he drove up to me in his car and he said, hey, you, you're the guy who last week gave me a ripped up 20. You gave me half a $20 bill. Mm-hmm. I had never been there before. I'd never been in Mineola in my life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you know, maybe, maybe there's just different types of, of the same $20 bill fraud. 
I don't know. I mean, I think this is probably a popular scam that people do because the cashier says to the security guard, he's claiming short. And that sounds like that's kind of like, uh, that's code, that's slang. Like people- have, Yeah, that's like an industry term. Yeah, industry term. And so I think they feel like George is up to something here. Yeah, I, these, I feel like these are very like early 90s scams also. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, it was it was 1995 when I was getting the guy in the card store saying that I didn't give him change of a 20. Yeah, but the rip $20 thing for me was like three years ago. So I'm not <laughs> sure what the explanation for that is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there's a security guard, uh, high security here at the... Uh, 1991 drugstore and basically he's getting pulled away and I think this was kind of ballsy of George like basically like screaming at the woman saying like oh you haven't seen the last of me you think you've won but you haven't won you've got my ten dollars I'll be back like you would think they would have his photo up in the store yeah and also how does how does the security guard who's clearly not a cop have like the authority to just like take George to the police station um, later on in the episode. Yeah. I yeah, mean, they like, must have some jurisdiction on like being like to, for shoplifting or stuff like, stuff like that. Yeah. I think they have to call the police. Yeah. They well, maybe they, we didn't see the, That's true. That's true. like, um, the exchange Like he didn't like put him in the back of like his like Walgreens, um, security car or anything like that. So, sure. but we'll see, you know, George, he has anxiety about everything and they go back to the same drugstore later in the episode. And he's not like, I can't go back there. I can't show my face after that. Yeah, George is like a contradiction wrapped in a Twinkie. <laughs> All right. So the next shot we see um, is the house on Long Island. I, I sort of uh, skipped over where George talks about the party and getting Jerry to come. Jerry doesn't want to go, but uh, George ultimately ends up uh, talking him into it. All right, did you find it believable that Jerry would go to the party? Yeah, I could see him getting suckered in. He's got nothing to do ever. Yeah. George is trying to say, oh, but there'll be women there. And he's like, what women? There's women here. Why do I have to go to Long Island to go see women? That is true. Like, why are the women at the party, especially if you're famous? No. Like, why are the women at this party better than just random women you can see on the street? Know, but they even get Elaine to go to the party. That we don't really know either. But I think if, if they sold it to her as a caper, then we've learned, I think, Elaine is, you know, will What's be a What's the caper? Go to a party on Long Island? I don't know. Maybe she'll meet a guy. <laughs> She's got to meet a guy. It's, I mean, it's one thing <laughs> for the, for like the men. Cause we know about the men code that Jerry's going to talk about. Like the whole purpose of men is just to, you know, to find women, to meet women. Um, for Elaine, is she that desperate to meet a guy? She's going to go to a party with people from George's office on Long Island. Yeah. I, I know that if she did meet a guy, there's no way they would have given her the car. Right. That's right. All right. So we go to the party on Long Island and uh, we end up meeting the hosts of the party later. But here's Ava. She sold 129 West 81st. Uh, good job, Ava. Yeah. You know, it's too bad George isn't a real estate agent anymore. Yeah. And so they end up coming into the party and uh, Jerry very quickly identifies this has got disaster written all over it. Yeah. I mean, if you hate small talk, like, you, you know, you shouldn't have shown up, Jerry, because that's what you're in for here. How would you do at a party like this? I would do, I wouldn't, first of all, I wouldn't go. Yeah. No way. Uh, you'd, you would have to pay me like a substantial sum of money to walk in the door. Yeah. But if I had no choice, like literally there was a gun to my head. I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't do well. 
you, you know, the thing with the party is, don't you think it depends on how many people you know going in? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if this is just me or this is like most people, but I feel like I would be terrible at the party where I don't know anybody. But like, I feel like I'd be, pr- I would be enjoy it if it was just like a couple people that I knew. Yeah, I would just speak to the one person who brought me. Yeah. Um, and if I didn't know anybody for some reason, I would just eat all the food. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like I would just, I would just like be nervous eating the whole. Thing. What if the food wasn't good? Yeah, I would have, I mean, I would maybe order in a pizza. Oh my God. That's a, by the way, that's a power move to someone else's party. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever done that before? No, but now that I think about it, I'm, I'm going to try it. Like, I'm going to go to my neighbor's house. And then, you know, just order myself a pizza. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we're going to talk about the plan here. And, you know, there's a little bit of a discussion of what do we do? Do we mingle or do we just like hold our position here? Yeah, they could have just, you know, just spoken amongst themselves. Yeah. And when they come up with they need a signal and uh, (laughs) Jerry says, you know, if one of us gets in a bad conversation, we should have a signal so the other one can get us out of it. And Elaine says, how old are you? <laughs> Jerry says, 36. He's a very youthful 36. Yeah, I believe um, somebody said, and I, I can't verify this, it's the only time in the series that one of them says their exact age. Yeah. So uh, they end up coming up with the signal for the head pat. Instead of a chicken wing. Chicken Instead of the chicken wing. They, so they go with the head pat. And very- what, what was wrong with tippy toe? <laughs> Elaine didn't know tippy toe. She wasn't there for that. I'm sure she's heard that story, though. She's probably heard the story, but very quickly, like the next shot we see is Jerry on the couch talking to a guy and like the guy says to him, so what do you do? And Jerry immediately starts tapping his head. Yeah. I mean, like comedians only want to talk to other comedians. That's one of the contradictions also of Jerry, like the fact that he ever, you know, he even speaks to Elaine, George and Kramer, Mm -hmm. Like he does not want to get into this conversation because you know what comes next. Well, is tell me a joke. Yes, yes. Well, I think that, you know, George is supposed to be Larry David. So technically he's a comedian. Um, and then Elaine was sort of like grandfathered in as, you know, somebody who was a love interest. So she kind of got, got through there. And then and Kramer, they just can't get away from Kramer. Right. He just lives there. He's stuck. Yeah, so it kind of it kind of works. Anyway, so he's talking about uh, where does he get his material, and Jerry says there's a man's voice in his head, a German voice, and he gets it translated. Meanwhile, we cut to Elaine. She's talking to a guy who's going on and on about George Washington Carver, <laughs> and uh, why isn't <laughs> why a peanut and not a cashew? Yeah, I, I didn't know George Washington Carver was uh, was the peanut man. Yeah, that's his thing. That's his thing. And so uh, Jerry ends up uh, saving Elaine from uh, talking to the peanut guy. And, and did you know that a cashew is actually a, a legume? Um, I, I didn't. Do you know what a legume is? <laughs> I, I, it's like a bean, right? Uh, I don't know. I know it has something to do with Passover, but I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. I know on, 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 on Passover, you're not allowed to eat legumes or maybe vice versa. I'm, I'm, I'm mixing this up. Yeah. I think also on uh, the four hour diet, you're not allowed to eat legumes. No legumes. No, none, none whatsoever. All right. So, um, we find out that from George, things are going well with Ava and she, he thinks that she likes him. 
yeah, I mean, George is always surprised when a woman likes him. He, yeah. You know, not, not a lot of confidence. He does the opposite. He tries to make women think he doesn't like them. Yeah, That's I mean, good though, right? Don't you want to yeah. do that? You know, over the course of the series, the truth is George is a guy who does very well with women. Yeah, he does all right. He does all right. And so he, uh, Jerry's like, all right, I think we're ready to leave now. And George's like, no, he needs another half an hour. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this is, you know, Jerry, Jerry should have, you know, saw this coming from a mile away. And why doesn't Ava have a car? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, she just sold the place on 81st Street, right? Yeah, she should be rolling in cash. Yeah, maybe she hasn't gotten paid yet for yeah, and, and also, why is there no Long Island Railroad in, in this place on Long Island? Well, maybe there could be, you know, they do mention a train schedule later, but maybe they're just not at a place that's near a train station. Like, there's plenty yeah, of places I, on Long Island where there's no train station for, like, you know, 10 miles or something like that. Yeah, that's that's true. And they do, you're right, they do mention it when they say, like, when it's 2 a.m., they say, like, oh, let's drive you to the train. Yeah, there's only so many lines. It's not like, you know, you're in Manhattan where you get, like, all these subway lines. You know, it's basically, you got, like, a couple lines going across. That's it. It's a big island. It's long. Oh, boy. <laughs> maybe maybe they're in the Hamptons. I don't think they're in the Hamptons because I don't think Kramer would have gotten there by 2 a.m. That's true. All right. So um, let's go to Elaine on the couch with the woman talking about her fiance. Um, and what is with this woman's voice? Like, what is this accent? I mean, she's they probably just said to her, like, okay, be the most pretentious person you could possibly imagine. Yeah. He's like, has anyone seen my fiance? I can't find him anywhere. I've lost, I've lost my fiance, the poor baby. <laughs> uh, and Elaine gives probably, uh, certainly the most famous line from this episode. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. <laughs> what? She, the dingo ate your baby. Well, it must have, it must have been so, because obviously now this is such a famous line. It, it was just so out of the dark, I'm sure, when she just... Because Elaine also does a crazy voice here. Yeah, she does. Uh, the Australian voice. So, like, for, you know, for the people watching, like, I mean, just must, the first time must have been completely nuts. Yeah. Um, I think so. I mean, it was probably uh, very, very funny. Yeah, I mean, th right. Uh, clearly, this is what's remembered from this otherwise not so memorable episode. Yeah. Now, I did some research. Do you know what this is from? Uh, I wrote down that it's from A Cry in the Dark. Obviously, I haven't seen it. Yeah, and I, but I don't think it's a direct quote. Um, I think that it's, you know, all these people uh, with, the, with the accent in the movie. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the dingoes uh, eating the baby. Um, but I don't think that's a direct line from okay, the movie. So there's just the dingo eating a baby. Yeah, there's some question of whether or not the dingo did eat the baby or if the mom killed the baby. Uh, and there's like court case and stuff like that. So uh, there's a lot of question about who killed the baby. What happened to um, the baby? All right. Uh, another week, we'll, we'll, watch, uh, we'll watch this movie. We'll yeah. Find out. All right, so we get into a little bit of talk about the favor that George needs. And the favor is he needs to leave with the woman, with Ava. I mean, Jerry has to take one for the team here, right? What's the move? Yeah, I think he has to do that. Uh, he calls it the man code. I mean, I think today we would call this the bro code. Um, George says that Ava told him, I want you to make love to me. Yeah, that's creepy. <laughs> it's creepy. Uh, and what about what George said back to her? Uh, that I long for you way creepier. Yeah. 
<laughs> that of like uh, that's something you'd see in the English patient, you know. Yeah. Uh, what is the right response when a woman says, uh, "I want you to make love to me"? I, I don't know. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> let you know when I hear it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the right thing to say is. Um, like, uh, yeah, I think that you just want to like not talk too much. I think that really the key is not being as uh, verbose. I, I I know myself, and I think that I could probably speak for you too. We're, we're we like to talk. Yes. But I think the people that do really well here in this department are the people that uh, don't talk a lot. A lot of times it's people who have nothing to say anyway. Yeah, yeah. All you could do with all this talking is just screw it up. Yes. The less you talk, the better it is. And I think it sounds like you're smarter. Yeah, 100%. You, yeah, you want to you wanna, uh, keep it close to the vest. Yeah. Um, I think like probably the best thing to do, like uh, I want to make love to you. I want you to make love to me. Probably just go for the kiss right there. Yeah, I mean, this is like the middle of the party, so who knows where, but I guess she is saying this to him, so. Yeah. The last time a woman said, I want you to make love to me, George had to end up apologizing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd like to see that, you know, that episode maybe more than this one. Yeah, and well, he's starting to think about it now. Um, what if he chokes? And then uh, that this is a woman that works in the office and she'll tell everybody that he choked. And uh, he's saying this is a terrible thing, actually. Uh, yeah, maybe that's like the backstory for why, you know, he, the guy was so quick to fire him in the in the revenge. <laughs> maybe. Uh, and Jerry, like, talks him out of it. He's thinking too much. So George is getting ready to leave with Ava from the office. And Jerry ends up uh, breaking the news to Elaine. Okay, so George is leaving. She's like, well, oh, fantastic. Let's get out of here. He's like, well, we're not going with them um, because they uh, that's what George, they have to do that for George as part of the code. Uh, and Elaine is besides herself. Yeah, I mean, Elaine didn't know about the code. She didn't oh. know. And so we get to see some stand-up talking a little bit more about the code, about how if two guys are hanging out, are friends, and one man has the opportunity to pursue a woman, then it's like these two people never never had a friendship. Yeah, this is like uh, the scene in Goodwill Hunting. You gotta yeah. see a better girl. Yeah. You see this in Vegas also. You could have like a bunch of guys like... I've talked about this before on the, on the Rob as a podcast where if guys go to Vegas together, it's like, whatever, you know, we'll see you when we see you. But like, you know, when women we've like, this is like a bachelorette party of women in Vegas. It's like, uh, it gets really out of control because they, they want to leave no woman behind. And then, you know, there are women being pulled in different directions and it ends up being a lot of tension on the group where a guy, he meets a girl. It's like, you, you'll see him at the airport. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've never been to Vegas actually. Oh, I think you'd like it. Uh, maybe yeah, not I'm, the heat. A, yeah, I don't mind the heat. I, uh, I, I just, you know, I was. This would have, a lot of a lot of these things happen when you get married when you're 20, Rob. Yeah, <laughs> you don't get to go when you, I was too young to get. You know, when I went when I when I got married to even go there. So. Okay. Uh, Sometimes these, you know, you're you're behind. You're like, oh, I'm, well, I'm not old enough to go to Vegas. I might as well just get married. Well, I don't know if that was like the progression of my <laughs> logic, but <laughs> it wasn't. Well, no, but sometimes things just, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, when you get married that young, it's, you know, you, uh, that maybe that's why I haven't seen all these movies. Maybe that's why. Um, so let's talk about Elaine with Ava and the fur, because, uh, here's Ava. She puts the fur coat on 
And uh, we see that Elaine says, oh, I can't believe uh, you're walking around in that. Is that real fur? And then she says, well, it better be or my ex-husband owes me an explanation. And so Elaine and Ava end up getting into a fight about this. And then Ava calls Elaine a hypocrite because she eats fish. Yeah, isn't that a pescatarian? Yeah, what's your take on this? Uh, is eating fish the same as wearing fur? So what, what's the argument? Um, oh, I thought you were going to say eating fish. Is that a bogus vegetarian? I thought that's what you are going to ask. Um, um, no, well, you, we might offend people talking about this, but yeah, 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 uh, okay. do, do you want do you want to touch on that? No, I don't really have an. I don't have such a strong opinion. Uh, yeah, I would say yeah. that uh, I'm I'm with Elaine on this. Like, uh, I'm not sure that the fish are. Uh, I, I like I think that if you're a vegetarian and you're just saying like I'm just not going to eat mammals, I think that counts. I think that's good enough. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can. Uh, clearly, I'm somebody who eats meat and fish. Um, I don't know if I'd wear a giant fur coat like that, though. Yeah, um, but but I you could I, you know if someone from like PETA was here, they maybe would argue that it's crazier to like eat this animal than to I don't know. Actually, it's, they're kind of both. I guess I, I guess I see the argument against both. I'm not a big anti fur person, but I would never like you know get uh, my wife like a fur or anything, um, even if we were in a really cold place. Cause it's like, who wants to deal with the aggravation? Like I would be 100% just not wanting to deal with the people who are the anti fur people. Right. So that it's would be the, the big, that's the biggest turnoff for me more so than the animal cruelty of having to deal with the people that get in your face about the fur. Hundred percent. It would be like walking down the street with like a political message on your shirt. Right. Why would you do? That? Never. I would never do that. I would never do that. No. Hey, oh, you got to worry that somebody's going to throw like a can of paint on you somewhere. <laughs> it's like, yeah. why on earth? Like, does it look that good? Does it look that good? No. Yeah. No. I whole, whole, wholeheartedly agree with you here. Yeah. And anyway, but this is awkward in that we have this confrontation about the fur coat and it doesn't lead to anything. It's like a bunch of things happen in this episode, but not everything comes to a payoff here. Yeah. Great job, Matt Goldman. Yeah. I mean, you would think that maybe like what, what should have happened is that Elaine ends up pissing off Ava and then George doesn't ultimately end up getting the sex or, or the relationship or whatever. Uh, it's just like, okay, thank you, Elaine. And you know, that's that. Yeah, and again, this is a mid-season two episode, so things aren't really tying together the way that they that we've seen them a couple times in season three. But yeah, there's just a lot of loose ends, and the whole thing is a big mess. Okay, so Jerry's going to get on the phone and call Kramer to come and give him the, a ride. I like Jerry on the phone. Uh, he calls up Kramer, and he calls him, right? He calls him Kramer, and he says, it's signed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're really, like, wacky. I wonder if they had a little to drink, like, Jerry and Elaine this whole time are just yelling and acting really strange. Yeah. Okay. So now we're later on the party's over and it's just the hosts of the party who are Steve and Jenny. And uh, here's Steve who is going to go on to have a big career. It is Steve is none other than uh, star of the shield and many other things, uh, including a, a memorable run this week on the finale of Sons of Anarchy. Here's Michael Checklist. Yeah, I'm uh, I, I uh, what's called? I like the shield. What's funny is he's like notoriously tiny. Michael Checklist. Yeah. Like, I remember when the shield was on somebody saying like, oh, you know, I know him in real life. And he's like, 
five feet tall, so I can't take this character seriously. Yeah, he doesn't look cast. anything like what you I like. I didn't realize it was him until I read that. Yeah, you know, he has he has hair for starters. He doesn't have like the shaved head look he has now. Yeah. And so and his character's really just, you know, really Oh, he's wacky. terrible. He's terrible. He's terrible. What's the name of the guy from Mail Unbonding? Joel Hornick? Yeah. He's like a poor man's Hornick. A poor man's Hornick. Wow. Yeah. He's a poor man's Hornick in that he, like, this guy is married. Like, we see his wife. Like, he has, like, a like a nice life and a house. Whereas Hornick was just sort of like a scummy guy, but he was single. Like, yeah. he wasn't Who'd leading, like, a, a double life behind his wife's back. If you had to hang out with one or the other, Hornick or Steve? Hornick. Okay. Hornick any day of the week. Um, because Steve is a real scumbag. Uh, yeah, I mean, right. He's soliciting a, uh, an escort um, while he's married in random, right. I guess to do that in some random, basically a strange, not a stranger, but like someone who, you know, you're not friends with his apartment. Yeah. Like Hornick, what did he do? He's putting the moves on Elaine. This guy, Steve, he comes in. First off, he's married. He pops in unannounced. He's ungrateful. Uh, he could be potentially an alcoholic. Uh, he's soliciting right. prostitutes. And worst of all, he solicits a prostitute in Jerry's apartment and he doesn't even have the decency to pay her. Yeah, he just walks out. He dines in ditches on a <laughs> prostitute. Like, isn't there yeah. supposed to be a pimp involved in this to prevent this sort of thing? Yeah, she really let him go. She just left it all for Jerry to deal with, you know? Yeah. I, I bet she doesn't get paid a lot if that's her strategy. Well, she only gets $50. And uh, I don't know. What's I have to get, get... What's, you know, that's probably, what's that, 70 bucks now? Yeah, I got to check out my currency I guess that's pretty calculator. Bad, yeah. yeah, so that, I mean, that's not, uh, again, I don't know a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> a lot about this area, but that doesn't seem so maybe it maybe it's maybe it is a lot. No, I think that's that sounds low for a Manhattan uh prostitute. What did uh what did um what's his name pay? Spitzer. <laughs> like he paid a lot of money, I think. I think it was like four hundred dollars an hour, maybe five hundred dollars. Yeah. So, well again, we don't know what he got either. We don't know I, uh I think we're better for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um I mean maybe he just had her come over to talk. Maybe that's what $50 gets you. I guess that's true. Yeah. So, like, everybody had their clothes on at the end. Yeah, I mean, that, that I would actually have a worse opinion of him if you just invited her over to talk. <laughs> All right, we'll get to that later. But anyway, okay. um, so we're talking with Steve and Jenny. There's some doubt whether or not uh, they're going to get picked up. Jenny wants to kick them out. Um, ultimately here comes Kramer. He's like at the window, um, like peering in. He finally found the house. Yeah. I could imagine like how many people Kramer scared just at one o'clock in the morning, like looking in there. Why doesn't he go in the door? Why is he looking at the window? Oh, I don't know. They sort of like say that like, oh, the directions flew out the window and I knew which exit it was off the expressway and I knew the numbers, but uh, like, I don't know, did he know the street? Like, if you just knew the exit off the expressway and house numbers, like, you would never find where you were supposed to be. If no, and there's no way there before. would be, like, an 8713 and an 8317. Yeah, like, how would you know the right street? Like, uh, like did this person just, like, unless the directions were, yeah, it's right off of exit 53 on uh, the Long Island Expressway. Uh, and then it's 8173. Like, unless those were the directions, like, I don't know how Kramer would ever find the person. Yeah, Kramer also has, like, the wacky season two, like, weirdo Kramer energy. Yeah, 
And so his convertible, the top is broken. And so it's only 40 degrees out and Elaine better bundle up. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, who's, who knows, who knew uh, Kramer had a convertible? Who knew? And so, cause he doesn't have a convertible when we go to the parking garage, right? No. Yeah, so maybe I don't know exactly what the what the problem was. All right, so we come back to Jerry's apartment. We see that Jerry is sick now from riding in the convertible, 80 miles an hour, uh, 40 degrees for 50 minutes. Uh, and that's why Jerry now has caught a cold. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they just need to keep coming up with excuses to get us back to that uh, pharmacy. Back to the pharmacy. And there's a knock at the door, and here's Steve. Who? Doesn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> We wish we didn't remember who this was. He's like, oh, but you said anytime I was in the city to hang out. Um, like, I mean, this guy has really unrealistic expectations. Yeah, the only thing uh, I could say in Steve's, uh, you know, defense is that his wife, Jenny, was really, you know, kind of annoying when we saw her at the party. Okay. So maybe she kind of like nagged him to be this like prostitute thief. Oh, <laughs> so you're defending his actions with the prostitute. Well, no, I, I could see like me also, like if someone's still in my house at 2 a.m. and you want them to leave, you don't even know them in the first place. I could, you I could would go see to their house she... and get a prostitute? No, no, but I could <laughs> see, no, I could, I'm saying I could empathize with, with Jenny. So I take it back. Steve is, uh, you know, Steve's bad, bad again. Yeah. And so here's Steve, and, but he's like the gall on this guy. Um, you know, Jerry's like, yeah, well, I'm leaving. He's like, well, okay, I get it. I get it. It's like, it's like, no, I really have somewhere to go. Like, Jerry, I mean, Jerry really is leaving. Why does it? Why wouldn't he rather hang out with this famous guy that he's like excited to see? Well, I think that um, again, I know that Jerry has done stuff on, but nobody really treats Jerry like he's famous. No, but he said like, "Oh, I, you know, I wanted to see how like a celebrity or Hollywood, whatever he says when he walks in." Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> Steve's a crazy guy. Anyway, so he's gonna hang out there, close the door if you leave, and then uh, Steve wants lunch. Also, he's like Banya. Yeah, you know, well, you know, that's he's he's like uh, Kramer. Everyone just comes in and and asks, you know, gets what they want. So George and Jerry are back at the pharmacy. George is talking about how it's tricky to date a woman in your office because now every day is a date. Yeah, I mean, it is. You have to be on your A game constantly. I could see that. It's uh, you know, you you never have a break. It's like living with somebody uh, the day you met you met them. Yeah, this is tricky. This is tricky and. Um, I never date like, um, when I've worked in an office before, there was definitely like women in the office that you had a crush on and, you know, it definitely was like exciting then. But the only time that I could ever think of, I used to, I worked in a restaurant once when I was in, when I was in college and then, um, there was a, there was like another, there was a waitress that worked at the restaurant and then, um, you know, it was great. It was very fun to work there. And then after then uh, things became uh, slightly more interesting, then it was it was not fun to work with her anymore. Uh, less, I'm guessing this is not Nicole. It was not Nicole. No. So it doesn't have a happy ending. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, uh I don't, I don't know how, what the ending is, but, uh, no, it's not, it's not in the call, but yeah, it was definitely, the energy was definitely much different after it was not just a friendly working together relationship. Right. I had, I had like, uh, I met my wife, we were counselors in a, uh, camp for special needs kids. Yeah. 
So it was, it, I, I kind of had the opposite experience where like a camp is still, even though you're working, like it's still big enough that you're not like on top, you know, on top of each other always. Like, you know, you can, it's not, not an office where you're, you know, where you like basically see, you can literally see the person, you know, the entire time you're there. Yeah. You know, you could retreat to your bunk or whatever. And also she was, I was able to get her to watch my kids much like now. Yeah. Like I would say, okay, here are my campers, here are your campers, like have fun, I'm taking a nap. <laughs> so she should have known what was coming. Oh, she, you know, she had, uh, there was a lot of red flags. A lot of red flags. All right. George says that the only solution now is going to be, he has to quit. He's going to quit his job. Yeah, again, this is like a prequel to, you know, to him slipping the mickey. We just didn't see it till now. <laughs> yeah. Then we cut back to Kramer and uh, he comes in and he's talking to Steve and wants to know, does Jerry have anything to drink? So now he's like, now he wants to, looking for booze. Yeah, and it's funny, Jerry, like a single guy who has no alcohol in his apartment, Jerry must not drink at all. He's not a drinker. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised by that, but uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a drinker either. I also wouldn't have any alcohol in my house. Okay, so we go back to the drugstore and Jerry picks out the medicine he wants and George feels like they owe him 10 bucks, so he's going to steal the medicine. Yeah, conveniently, the medicine is 9.6. Yeah, and so he puts it in his jacket pocket and again, there's, George doesn't even look where, like where the security guard is. Here comes the security guard. He very quickly identifies George as like, hey, okay, okay, come on, let's go. Yeah, George is the world's worst thief. This was, you know, telegraphed like, from, you know, the first minute. He had no chance of getting out of there. Yeah. Jerry has a good line. He says to the woman, can I still buy this or is this evidence? Yeah, that's actually my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> that's great. All right, so we go back now to Kramer and Steve hanging out in the apartment. And Kramer tells a story about, he's talking about a magician's doves. Are these the same birds that he had to move um, during the jacket episode? Yes. Uh, yeah, because they, he mentioned they're a magician in the in the jacket. So I think it's just him telling the story of, you know, what the jacket where we also didn't see them. Oddly enough, Kramer in the, um, the chaperone where he, where he has to babysit, uh, I think it's Miss Rhode Island. Yes. Uh, right. The, her doves, uh, die. And that's, that's her talent. If I, if I remember correctly, she's her, her talent show is doves and, uh, and they die. So Kramer has no luck with doves. Yes. Cause two of the doves turn Brown and him and Steve are dying at this story. Yeah, I don't think the PETA people would, uh, you know, would between the fur coat and the and the laughing about the dogs, maybe they should skip this episode. Yeah. All right. So then it turns, it takes a weird turn when Steve says, "Hey, we should call one of those uh, escort services." Yeah. Now that you know, you're right. He does say we, which makes you know what what Steve like. He was probably looking for two women. I don't know. I guess so. Maybe unless he would just want the Kramer to pay for both. <laughs> no, I don't know. He may, he might just be a guy who is like, uh, you know, he feels better about doing it if somebody else is doing it too. Yeah. I think also, I think we could lock up the hashtag right now. I think five, five, five love is five, five, five. You can't start a hashtag with a number. It won't work. Really? Yeah. So unless it's written out five, five, five love. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see at the end. Yeah. I I didn't know that. Well, I mean, you Rob, don't have so to see, but that, that definitely won't work. The number numerical five, five, five love. We could use a social media expert guru, a guru. Um, so Kramer says, no, that's not for me. But Kramer gives him the, gives him the number. Like Kramer knows the number by heart. All Listen, right. if that number, you'd know it too. Like that's a, you know, they, that's great. Uh, 
you know, this, they have, they probably, if they were around now, they'd have the best SEO. <laughs> That's right. So let's go to Jerry's apartment later. Jerry walks in. We see Patty, who is a escort. Uh, there with Steve. Steve is packed up and ready to go. And, uh, you know, Patty doesn't ask at any point, like, hey, where, you know, why are you putting your coat on? Like, where are you going? Where are you going, Steve? Patty's just going to get paid by the last person there. Yeah. She doesn't care. And who is Steve's ride that's buzzing up to the apartment? Like, I think it's his his buddy who was was giving him a ride home from the city. Must work in the city. uh, So the buddy, like, parked the car and got out and buzzed Jerry's apartment? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like the mo- the least realistic part of this whole show is people getting parking spots. And- <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, Steve is like, all right, he's gone. What does he do? Does he kiss her hand? Uh, yeah, I think so. Like, I thought he was going in for a kiss. Then at the end, also from listen, uh, you know, all bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve's a lunatic. Um, and so Jerry walks in and says, uh, like, okay, well, how much do you need? What do I owe you? $50. And as Jerry is trying to pay off Patty, uh, here come the police. They just walk in like, what? Yeah. Why, why is the police officer just randomly like, all right, George, we're going to, we're going to bring you back to, you know, you were going to, all right, you know, Jerry, we're just like randomly walking in here. Like, were they tipped off? Yeah. Was this a vice thing? Uh, was like, is this, were they coming after Jerry to get his statement on the George thing? I mean, it's so weird that randomly police officers come in. Yeah. I mean, unless Patty was in on it. I don't know. Was she, was she an undercover cop? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> she's no, she's no Derek. I don't know. Um, and so then Elaine walks in and she brought uh, chicken soup. And then she says to the prostitute, is that real fur? And all of the cops and Jerry are like, oh, boy. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one also. Yeah, that's funny also. Um, and then I do like this last part where George and Jerry are talking on the couch, talking about the different comparing notes on the police officers. Like, oh, did you have Sergeant Chadway? Like, oh, he was a nice guy. And then they talk about, oh, everybody in my cell hated him. Uh, the, you know, the guy with the red hair, they threw gum at him. And uh, I think that was kind of funny. Yeah, they's got Jerry and George by the end of the series really have quite, you know, the prison record. <laughs> yeah. And then we end up with, uh, again, a really good piece of stand up talking about the difference between the big favor and the small favor. Yeah, I, I hear what he's saying that, uh, that, um, you know, the people who are asking for the big favor, you could tell within two seconds what they're asking for. Yes, absolutely. And so, uh, again, I think this is just one of those things that's just become common knowledge about the favor and the pause. The big pause. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about uh, this episode. If this was to take place in 2014, could The Stranded exist? I guess, I mean, the biggest problem, they probably just call like a super expensive Uber. Yeah, no, absolutely not. The the Stranded in a... No way. (laughs) Throw The Stranded out. Okay, well, there could still be a party over on Long Island. That's still entirely possible. But yeah, you call an Uber, you call a Lyft, uh, you could get there. Uh, They wouldn't have to wait till the middle of the night for Kramer to come. He could call them. Uh, Kramer could map quest this. He could waze it. So there's a lot of things in this episode that just are not holding up. Yeah, I think, um, let me ask you a question. So you said the worst episode of Seinfeld. Would you rather the worst episode of Seinfeld or the best episode of Mulaney? <laughs> I haven't seen any episodes of Mulaney, so I wouldn't be able to to judge that. 
I would probably say the best episode of Mulaney because I feel like I would like to watch it. I'd like to see it before it goes away. And uh, then I would at least have experienced that. You should probably check it out this week then. (laughs) All right. So Akiva, let's, let's talk about this in your overall rankings. Uh, Let's go ahead and, and bring up your, your total list. Of course, Akiva has uh, ranked 169 episodes of Seinfeld and uh, he, we go through this every week and try to place this on the list. Of course, uh, we had been on a really good run here in season three. Right? Yeah. Um, yes, we had, you know, we really got out of the woods from one and two, but this is really a season two episode, so. All right, so episode 169, Akiva has the dog. Uh, 168, Akiva has male unbonding. Uh, one, 167, Akiva has the stock tip. Uh, 166, Akiva has the robbery. 165, he has the ex-girlfriend. 164, Akiva has the statue. So the first available slot for us is number 163, Akiva. Uh, Yeah, let's take that slot. Okay. See, we found a parking spot right there. 163 for The Stranded. Yeah, I mean, the reason why it's not the worst, again, a lot of people, I've seen it on lists and a lot of bottom five lists, even being people's least favorite episode. I think, there is a plot. There's a lot more going on. There's a few stories. Um, if you said this is the worst episode, I wouldn't, you know, really put up a fight. But some of the season one episodes really had nothing going for them. Mm-hmm. Also, how could the episode with the dingo ate my baby be the, be, you know, the bottom episode of all time? Yeah, I think it's right there. I think it's right there. I think that I would probably have, uh, I don't know, I, I might not have it, uh, I, I can't. What we, I can't argue with. I mean, we're rearranging deck chairs in the Titanic to put the bottom <laughs> ten episodes of Seinfeld in some sort of order. Um, Stranded or the dog? I would take the dog. I'm <laughs> not as down on the dog as you are. I would say I think the bus boy, which you actually have at 156. I think that might be my worst. Yeah, uh, that's that's frequently on bottom five list too. That's reasonable. Yeah, I think that's that's the worst uh, than this because at least this has a couple things that are funny. Um, I'm not sure if the bus boy has anything redeeming. I'm taking away from it. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't disagree. I think um, I think uh, you know either way we're it's uh, we're nitpicking here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do like uh, the pesto of cities. Uh, I think that's a good that's a good line from uh, yeah, the listen, bus boy. Even the worst episodes have a few, you know, a few quality moments in them. Yeah, uh, the stuff at the party isn't that bad for me. It's really, once we get to the point where Steve comes back to the apartment and we're bringing in a prostitute and all that stuff, uh, that's where they're really losing me on that. Yeah, on IMDb, the the dog is the worst, is a a 7.4, which is still actually pretty good. If a movie is a 7.4, I'd say you could go see that movie. Yeah. And uh, the strands at seven five. Nothing else is below seven point five. Yeah. It's still fun to say farfall. No farfall. <laughs> I like to uh, say farfall. All right. Yeah. We'll we'll keep saying farfall. Okay. We'll keep saying it. All right. So just the audacity of this guy to be calling a prostitute. It just doesn't seem like a Seinfeld storyline of a guy comes to the apartment and solicits a prostitute. You know, it just seems like that's that's too much. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, we're just going to blame Matt Goldman for this. Matt Goldman. What is he thinking? What is he thinking? All right. So let's take some of our email questions. Of course, the emails come in every week. Seinfeld at post show 
recaps. All right, Akiva, let's take the first email of the week. This is one from Hunter Shaw. And the subject is, is George Jewish? Okay, can, can you settle this once and for all? So here's the question um, that Hunter says. I feel like people are going to try to correct Akiva on this, but I think Akiva is right. Uh, George's character is not Jewish. And then uh, there's a quote of from the uh, Frank Costanza wiki on Seinfeld Wikia. Estelle, while never referred to that way on the show, was said by both Larry David and Jason Alexander to be Jewish. Uh, they also said in numerous interviews that George was half Jewish, implying that Frank was not. In the episode The Fatigues, it's implied that Frank is a member of the Knights of Columbus, an all-Catholic fraternal organization. Akiva, what is the canon on this? Okay, so I did a little bit of a deep dive on this. I was curious. Okay. Um, all right, so f- there's a few things. So let's assume that Frank is Catholic because he was a member of the Knights of Columbus. Because that's you know, we, we know that, uh, you know, he celebrates Festivus. He does mention buying Christmas presents. Not that somebody who's Jewish automatically can't buy Christmas presents. But let's just say that, that it's fair to say Frank is Catholic. Yes. So now the question is, is Estelle Jewish? And just to, you know, Hunter Schultz said half Jewish. But, uh, and I don't want to get too controversial here, but many Jews believe that uh, there's no such thing. You're either Jewish or you're not Jewish. Uh, and it would go by uh, just like your mother. There's no, there's no big or small coincidences. There's just coincidences. Correct. So it, it, that it's matrilineal descent and it only goes by who your mother is. I'm not saying everyone says that, but certainly I think the majority of people say that. Okay. Anyway, um, so the question is, is Estelle Jewish? There's no literature one way or the other, except I found this, that Estelle um, refuses to get in a German car which was very common, especially amongst older Jewish people um, who had either survived the Holocaust or uh, maybe, you know, who his parents had survived the Holocaust. Uh, so it was very, my father also, you know, would never buy a German car, that sort of thing. It's very common um, for Jews of a certain age. <laughs> so she says she wouldn't get in. Why would she say that if she wasn't Jewish? Yeah. And I don't think that there's any evidence to support that uh, George's mom was a Holocaust survivor, though. No, 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 not yeah. at all. But no, she, I, she may have that, uh, certainly. But I think that the German car line is is damning from a trying to decide uh, if there's evidence or not to support this theory. Yeah, so that's all we have. And yes, Larry said it. Uh, Jason Alexander is Jewish. Um, certainly, you know, I don't know. We, you know, I, I was thinking about this last week, but I didn't want to bother. I thought it was a waste of a question to ask Peter, but um, maybe I'll tweet at him this week and ask him what he thinks. Uh, in, in, almost the whole writing staff is Jewish, so it's not crazy that they would make. Yeah, I think that this to me is that they, when they started the show, they, you know, didn't want to have the sh- the show be, you know, this is a show, you know, on an, you know, NBC in prime in prime time, and I think that. You know, I feel like I've heard in like different documentaries that people were worried the show was quote unquote too Jewish and they didn't want to make all the all the characters uh, one specific one specific uh, religion. And so they just ended up like, you know, giving people, you know, George has an Italian last name or stuff like that. So they were all New Yorkers, but it was, you know, more a, a bit more diverse than just to have all Jewish characters on a show, even though if in the spirit of the show, they are. Right. I think, um, I think you're hundred percent correct. I also think, um, you know, they write what they know. I mean, listen, 
Larry's Jewish. Jerry's Jewish. Larry Charles is Jewish. Mailman's Jewish. Berg and Mandel who are coming soon. I'm assuming Matt Goldman wrote this episode. I mean, literally, you'd have to like, Carol Leifer is Jewish. You know, that's basically 90% of the writers there. We're, we're talking like Spike Ferriston, the, the guy who wrote The Soup Nazis, the first one I could think of who's not. Anyway, uh, yeah, the, the show was criticized for being too New York and too Jewish when it started. So there's no reason to make all these characters, uh, um, you yeah. know, so Jewy. Seems like and, a note uh, that they got early on in the process and then they ended up just being stuck with. I'm yeah, I'd imagine. And it's a fair note. I mean, listen, the show as as is was, you know, the biggest knock from sort of a big picture from critics would probably be its lack of diversity in general. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. So, uh, you know, even even if they're just, you know, forget about the religion, like just the fact that they're just, you know, a bunch of New Yorkers, white New Yorkers, like in an apartment, um, you know, it was is a little was I mean, it's not niche because it was the most popular show, but like. They, it was a hurdle they had to overcome. All right. Well, and we'll talk about all those other issues more and more as we go along here on Seinfeld, uh, the post-show recap. All right. Here's a question from Johnny DeSilvera who wants to know, uh, for people like me who have not yet been to New York City, how far of a drive is it from Long Island to Manhattan? Well, I mean, obviously that varies uh, depending on from where, you know, if you're going from Queens to Long Island, it could be, you know, they're, they're touching a, a certain port. Yeah, and also it depends on what time of day you're going. Now, if it's like a Saturday night, I think you should probably be okay on the traffic side. So it could be anywhere from like half an hour to an hour, depending on where you're going. Yeah, the, the train from uh, Penn Station to my house, I imagine yours is a similar length, was about 40 minutes. Yeah, about 50 minutes. And the tricky part that I've had on the Long Island Railroad is figuring out a way to not fall asleep on like you go into the city and you might have a few drinks and then you end up uh, coming back on the train and the trick is not falling asleep on the train before your stop and waking up on the last stop of the Long Island Railroad because I have done that a number of times. Yep, happened to me once also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's tough. And a friend of mine happened to and he fell asleep with his money in his hand and he woke up on the last stop with his money gone. Uh, yeah, I... I um. I don't think I told the story, but I fell asleep. I wasn't drunk or anything. I fell asleep and I need to connect. Um, I believe to Wanto, it goes straight to your uh, childhood home. Sure. But to mine, you have to transfer. It. It's two 20-minute trains with an immediate transfer. Uh, speaking about being too New York-y here. Uh, so, so, so I fell asleep and I kept on the first train past, uh, past Jamaica. And I just went out and out into like Mineola, Albertson, Roslyn area. Um, and then I woke up and by the time I got back, I had like no money in my wallet and I had to like take a, get a cab with no money. <laughs> oh my I God. was like, I was like uh, Michael Chiklis in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because you got a prostitute then? No, oh. but, but, um, I had $10. The, the cab is $10. <laughs> it was from Lindbrook. And, to... and you said they gave you change for a 20? <laughs> no, no, that was a different story. But li from, from Lindbrook to, uh, to uh, the five towns, which Peter Millman so, uh, you know, took shots at last week where I grew up. Um, the, I had $10. I had no money in my wallet, but I had, this is, I mean, this is kind of, a, should I tell this ridiculous story now, Rob? Um, I would say, is there a short version? Yeah, I'll find. I'll tell the short version. When I was 15, my friend and I made a bet whether our third friend was gay or not. Okay. When I was 25 at an engagement party, and I hadn't seen my friend. He, he, he lives in Washington, D.C., but he came up for the engagement party. 
And the third friend who we bet about was there. And he, the, the bet was he, he, whether he would be come out of the closet or not. Again, we're 15 years old. Don't okay. judge us for what we did. All right. Sure. It's interesting. He, uh, so he had not. So I won the bet. I had bet that the guy would not, would not come out of the closet. Okay. Or it was not gay. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyway, so he handed me $10, which I put in my pocket. Those were the only $10 I had in my pocket when I finally got in this cab at about 3.30 in the morning from Lindbrook after, after getting on the wrong stop. Okay. So I usually tip the cab driver, and I felt, and I, I felt bad, so I told him the story uh, on the way home. Yes. You know, like, I'm not going to tip you, but I'm going to tell you a funny story why I only have $10 in my wallet. And he was cracking up so hard, he had to, like, pull the car over to the side. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was the short version. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> that is a wild story. Um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's a hundred percent true. Okay. All right. Uh, let's do one last email and let's check in with our good friend, Chester, who says, uh, this has always bothered me about this episode since the first time I saw it 20 years ago. Why the hell would Jerry, especially Jerry, who's so neurotic, let some rando sit in his apartment? Also, why would the rando who wanted to see the life of a celebrity in the city rather sit in an apartment rather than follow Jerry around town? Not that Jerry would have wanted that, but why didn't he at least ask? Because his move is to get drunk and call prostitutes. He doesn't want to go. So, like, he only went to Jerry's house because he thinks that Jerry is a famous celebrity. And he and in his mind, he's like, oh, this guy's famous. He must be getting wasted and calling prostitutes right now. Uh, I got to get in there and see what's going on. And he's like, oh, this is boring. Um, and so he's like, well, I'm just going to call, get drunk and call prostitutes on my own. Yeah, uh, you're 100% right. The, right. Why Jerry would, would want him to be there. That's a good question. That's a good but question. This is, but this is plan A for, for Chickless was to be in the apartment alone. Yeah. <laughs> or no, plan A was I'll go over there with Jerry. He's famous and rich or has some level of fame. He lives in the city. He must be getting drunk and calling prostitutes every night. Right. And so I'll get in there and we'll call prostitutes together. Right, that was plan A, but plan B ended up working out okay <laughs> yeah. for him. Listen, he had a great night, Michael Chiklis. Yeah, it's a fantastic night. <laughs> Number two, I know this episode was pulled from season two, but the result is that the timeline of the episode is out of whack. George is back as a real estate agent. Even stranger, George is chummy with Mark and Ava from the office. No one is chummy with George at any of his jobs. And who drove Ava to the party anyway? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, certainly at the Yankees, George doesn't have any friends. Everyone's sort of the enemy. At work, yeah. except for maybe a cleaning lady here and there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, uh, it, you know, listen, we want to say this is not canon because they're showing in season three. Yeah. I mean, it's possible Ava could live on Long Island. Like, it's possible Ava could, you know, be like a taxi ride away from, from Steve and Jenny. Um, but George wants the home bed advantage and wants to take her back to his place in the city. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm shocked they didn't do more exposition into this in the show. <laughs> yeah, they, they just didn't want us to think about it. Yeah, they weren't planning on podcast 25 years later. <laughs> All right, Akiva, what's coming up next week? Um, the alternate side. We've oh. got, we have uh, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Oh, I love it. And, uh, you know, Jerry recently said this is uh, in some ways his least favorite episode. Why? Because people say these pretzels make him thirsty? No, I guess we'll get into it next week. It's it's actually pretty interesting. Okay, so we'll talk about that next week. Okay, give us the hashtag. Was it five, 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 five love? 
Yeah, I think we'll just write. Yeah, if if, if write Rob it is out, correct, spell it out. I'm sure. I'm sure he is. F I V E three times love. Yes. Yes. All right. So there you go. Uh, follow Akiva on Twitter. He's at Keeve26. I'm at Rob Sisterino. You could subscribe to the Seinfeld Post Show Recaps and get our new episode every week. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes, or you can get all of our shows here on Post Show Recaps at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. And also you could check out everything we're doing and much, much more on podcastone.com, the home of Post Show Recaps. How about that? We're moving up in the world. Moving up in the world. All right. Akiva, have a great week. You too, everybody. And we'll talk to you again next time. We talk about the alternate side. 